1: For Inside Carolina, I'm Taylor Vipolis, and this is a new podcast to the Inside Carolina lineup up in the rafters where 2017 ACC Player of the Year and National Champion Justin Jackson and myself will be talking about all things Carolina basketball. Before we get started, though, I just wanted to say thank you for being here. Be sure you subscribe to Inside Carolina wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube so you never miss out on any of the content the team at IC puts out. The support doesn't go unnoticed on this end. Speaking of support, we want to support the people that support us. So that's why I've got to mention our friends over at Johnny T-Shirt. When it comes to Carolina Apparel, they have everything that you could possibly want. The T-shirts, the jerseys, the hats, you name it. They probably have it. It's great people and great customer service since it's locally owned and operated by alumni. Don't be like me and wait until the last minute to get Christmas presents for your loved ones. You know, there's somebody in your life Might even be yourself that could use some new UNC gear. So visit them in person on Franklin Street or online at johnnytshirt.com. And don't forget, Inside Carolina, premium subscribers get 10% off their orders. What's up in the rackers I'm Taylor Biplis. I'm joined by my guy, Justin Jackson. Justin, you know, before we get started, I always, I always like to go somewhere non-basketball first. So with the holidays approaching, I'm wondering, what is your favorite Christmas song and your favorite Christmas movie?
0: Favorite Christmas song? like Christmas Eve by Justin Bieber. Classic. We're going to do a little, little modern Christmas twist uh my movie favorite movie probably i probably just have to stick with elf elf is is one of my favorite ones so i gotta go with elf
1: you can't go wrong with elf i was gonna go elf and then music i was gonna go along the same lines as you go a little bit modern ariana grande santa tell me if if we were going (laughs) a little old school i'd go uh uh run rudolph run it always (laughs) makes me think of the home alone scene where They're racing through the airport. It's it's a great song to get you in the holiday spirit. But uh, Elf Elf is Elf was going to be my choice too. You you can't go wrong with Will Ferrell and and that ensemble of the cast that they have there. But going back to the basketball, Carolina two and zero over the past week. They beat Elon. They beat Furman last week. When we were talking about those games, we said that UNC had to be careful in its approach with those games being essentially glorified scrimmages against teams that they should take care of fairly easily. After watching, do you think UNC got something out of those games? And if so, what do you think they got out of it?
0: Um, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, like, like you were talking about, and like we discussed last time, um, you know, you're able to go against a team that doesn't see you every single day. um doesn't know all the ins and outs of your plays. Um, Defensively, you're able to go against somebody a little different. I think, you know, the, the Furman game, I mean, you look at the first half, you know, they gave them a bit of a run, you know, like they were, they were giving them some issues. Um, But in those games too, it's kind of, you know, it's a lot more mental than physical, to be honest. Um, You know, it's a matter of, You know, even in a game like that where a team who you know you're more talented than is kind of, you know, is giving it to you a little bit, mentally being able to stay focused um, and go the whole entire time and make your run, you know, in the second half like they did and kind of take control in the second half. And um, I think that's kind of what, you know, they get out of it. I think it's more mental than physical because at the end of the day, they're just more talented than those two teams. Um, But being able to stay locked in and run what they're supposed to run and execute the things they're supposed to execute, I think is what they get out of it.
1: Yeah, when a team like Furman sees North Carolina and they're they're going through the Dean Dome, they're obviously fired up playing against that jersey when they see it. And you can kind of explain why Furman hung around so long in that and. It's 39, 39 at half. I'm sure a lot of Carolina fans all of a sudden, you know, they're not pressing the panic button, but their their hand is hovering over the panic button when you go into a half tied with Furman. What did you see in the second half that kind of allowed Carolina to run away and kind of hold Furman in check where they outscore Furman 13, by 13 points in the second half?
0: Um, you know, I think they they solidified the inside game a little bit more in the second half. Um defensively they kind of brought the pressure up. You know, I think in the first half they hit quite a few threes Furman hit quite a few threes. And in the second half, they kind of, you know, applied a little bit more pressure. Um, But I think at the end of the day, their whole, um, what is going to get them far or not far is how much they are able to get that inside game going, you know, with Armando down low. Um, Obviously we know, We've got a lot of guys on the perimeter. we got Caleb Love, RJ, even Dawson's a a perimeter threat, Brady on the outside. But when you get that inside presence like Armando going and you get him aggressive and you have him start to dominate down low, it just opens it up even more for those guys outside. So I think kind of seeing them solidify him from the jump in the second half, I think is kind of um, what what kind of opens up for him.
1: Yeah, Carolina is on a five-game win streak right now. And this is also the fifth straight game UNC has allowed 63 or fewer points. So early in the season, we were kind of talking about what was going on with the defense. All of a sudden, the defense is playing a lot better. Five straight games where you hold a team under 63. When you're holding teams to less than 63 points with the way Carolina scores, is that just a, a recipe for this team to have success in the future where Scoring should never be this team's problem, but if they can hold the team to, you know, under their season total that this UNC team is going to win more often than not.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of times defense is the best offense. Um, And I think, you know, with how talented they are on the offensive end, if they can lock down on defense, you know, that'll cause more transition opportunities. Um, They'll be able to play against, less upset defenses um, and even and in games when they're not necessarily hitting shots defensively, being able to get easy opportunities from defense, um, you know, whether that's getting a steal on the passing lane or getting a defensive rebound and pushing it, um, you know, those are going to be times whenever they're going to really need that. So I think you add a different dimension to this team whenever you, hold teams, you know, under those, those point averages and things like that. Um, so if they can continue to do that, I think it just adds a completely, it makes them even more dangerous than they are offensively.
1: You mentioned in the firming game in the second half, Carolina was really able to establish themselves in the post. They had, A lot of mismatches with with their size. And for the first time as a Tar Heel, Dawson Garcia scores in double figures in back-to-back games. And he does it by dropping 22 on Elon and then 20 on Furman. So that's quite a way to drop back-to-back games of uh, double-figure points. But what do you like about Garcia's game and the potential he brings to this UNC game? To this UNC team, because, like you mentioned, he can do it in the post, and he does have uh, the skills to do it on the perimeter as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think to be honest, I think it's even it's even more on the defensive end. I mean, we know that he can stretch the floor and hit shots from the outside. He can, um, he's got some good footwork and can and can make some good moves down low. Um, but I think defensively, having somebody that's that versatile. Uh, but also at the same time that big um, is huge. You know, you have an Armando who is a great post presence defensively and offensively, but then you've got somebody like a Dawson or even like a Brady, Phil Brady into the conversation of somebody who can like switch uh, onto guards or can switch and make their defense even more versatile. Um, you know, I think that is something that's very, very important in today's game you know you see a lot of pick and rolls you see a lot of that kind of game that kind of basketball being played now in college and having a big who you don't necessarily have to have in a coverage you can just switch one through four or if he's at the five one through five I think that creates an advantage for North Carolina defensively um, because then you don't have to get into rotations you don't have to you know have people dropping low and then trying to you know get out to shooters and all that kind of stuff you know it's it's just being able to switch and stay in front of them um and I think that's I think that's huge for North Carolina if he if he can be that
1: Hubert Davis in his press conference today mentioned that he has to know players to coach them so he can know how players respond to getting coached whether it's some people needing either more encouragement or some people being able to handle the straight truth from the start. I'm curious, what kind of player were you at Carolina when you were being coached and when you made a mistake?
0: Um, I have always been somebody, man, who I want you to tell me what it is that I need to do better, what it is that I'm doing well, um, and things that I need to change. Um, for me, Coach Williams was always—that's just who he was, anyway. So whether I was a different kind of player or not, that's what he was going to give me. Um, but I was always somebody that, for me, I want clear—I want clear instructions. You know, I, I want to know. Okay, look, Justin, you know, you're guarding this guy. Um, you need to. You know, if he likes to go right, you need to cut off his right hand. You know, I need, like, detailed in, information and instructions. And so, for me personally, that's just kind of how I was. Thankfully, Coach Williams was great at, at you know, letting you know what it is that you needed to be doing or not be doing. Um, but that's kind of how I, how I was. But I think Coach Davis, um, you know, having that approach to players, it causes players to respect you so much more, you know, and and that's why so many players respected Coach Williams so much because Coach um, was always somebody that he wanted to get to know you. Like he wanted to – he didn't want it just to be the only interactions that you had was based on basketball, you know, and I think Coach Davis is, you know, taking that right as as he becomes the head coach as, as far as, okay, I want to get to know you as a person and kind of know how you tick Um, That way, when I coach you, I know that, okay, you might not be somebody who I can, you know, maybe raise my voice with, you know, or maybe you are somebody that I need to do that to get you fired up. So I love that Coach Davis is kind of taking that approach because I think that makes the players respect them so much more.
1: So when you would make a mistake, there was never any... Never any feelings hurt when Coach Williams would start getting on you? Hey,
0: hey look, there's always feelings hurt. <laughs> there's, always, there's always times when you feel like you're not in the wrong and you really are and, you know, he has to take you to film and then you see and, um, you know, we're still human. So it's not like I'm just going to be like, sir, yes, sir, every single time. Um, but at the end of the day, I always knew that that was going to be better for me so I was able to kind of take that criticism maybe just a little bit better than you know than some people it's
1: crazy how um from playing football at Carolina to now coaching the film never lies (laughs) like film never lies players might have excuses and might have seen something different
0: that film never lies oh it it never (laughs) does And, and And sometimes it makes it look even worse because you have that pause button and that slow-mo button and all that kind of stuff. Like, that's – I actually – we were just – I was watching film the other day and, uh, you know, there was was a situation in the game and the coach, he, like, paused it and did slow-mo and – when he did that, like, I almost got upset because I was like, that's not how a game – that's not how it happens in a game. But, like, you can't lie about film. Film's going to show you literally everything. So, um you know, I'm sure Coach Davis uses that to his, uh, to his advantage.
1: The other thing I wanted to ask you, too, about with how you did it in college, you were one of the best ever – when it comes to being a good cutter and reading defenses with this offense now for Carolina, there is so much more spacing, how much of cutting and reading defenses can be taught approved and improved upon versus how much of it was just your natural ability and your basketball IQ out there.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of that kind of stuff is based on IQ. Um, I mean, you can definitely teach it, you know, you can teach, you know, different places to cut at different times and that kind of stuff. But I think a lot of it is just kind of reading the defense and seeing what they give you um, and also not getting in the way of the ball handler or somebody else that's, you know, in the paint or whatever. Um, but I think, you know, that's one thing that I think as I'm watching, I think that North Carolina can get a little bit better at is cutting um, off the ball, whether it's, you know, whether it's a true cutter or whether it's a shooter you know, whatever it is, I think with the spacing that's involved with their offense this year, um, having different guys to cut, um, and to make more opportunities for shooters. Cause at the end of the day, cutting isn't necessarily just for the cutter, you know, like when you cut, you might take two guys with you and it leaves an open shooter out there um, on the perimeter. So, you know, I think a lot of it is just IQ. I think you can watch film and you can kind of learn different ways to to be effective in that way. But, um, you know, thankfully I think this team has a pretty high basketball IQ from what I'm kind of seeing. Um, and, you know, I think they can learn to do that a little better. And obviously it's, it's shown that it it hasn't hurt them, that they don't, that they're not great at it right now. So I think they're totally fine.
1: We've talked about how, when now the rotations are for this Carolina basketball team under coach Davis playing mainly, you know, seven, eight guys, you've been in locker rooms across multiple levels. How do you think that would affect others that aren't playing that much or at all that might've expected otherwise? Or do you think there's an understanding there why they aren't seeing the minutes when you're looking at players like like the freshman or like a transfer like Justin McCoy?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, and that that honestly, it's only between... Coach Davis and the players, as far as how they handle it, but from being around Coach Davis and kind of seeing how he's handled the team, I would find it hard to believe that Coach Davis hasn't um, been pretty honest and transparent with certain guys as far as why they're not playing or um, you know, what the situation was going into the season. Um, just because that's kind of how Coach Davis is. Coach Davis isn't somebody necessarily to leave people in the dark. Um, But at the end of the day, it is tough, you know, especially as as, as freshmen coming in, you know, you're super excited. You might have a good late night. You know, you might have some good practices, some early scrimmages, um, and then all of a sudden you're not playing a lot. It's tough. Um, But at the end of the day, those are the times um, where – Okay, you know what? Now I gotta focus on myself, right? I gotta focus on myself, I gotta get stronger, I gotta do whatever it is that I know I need to get better at so that I can get playing time. And if they can, especially as freshmen, they've got a lot of basketball left. Um, if they can keep their minds on that as opposed to, oh, I'm out of here, I'm transferring or you know, oh screw coach or why am I not playing, then I think they're gonna do themselves way better. Um, in the long run than just sitting there and kind of, you know, having a pity party.
1: The other player whose season might not have gone the way he kind of expected going into the season is somebody like Kerwin Walton, who hasn't made a field goal since the UNC Asheville game. He's 0 for 5 since. He didn't attempt a shot against Furman or Georgia Tech. As someone else who is known for his shooting, how do you handle going through shooting slumps and what kind of encouragement would you offer up to someone like Walton who I think everybody in the country knows how well he can shoot a basketball?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's tough. Um, You know, last year, the team wasn't as great. Um, Honestly, a lot of times they were looking for somebody to score the ball. And Curran was one of those guys that could knock down some shots. Um, You know, this year, the team dynamic is so different. To be honest, he, he's not the same aggressive when it comes to, like, finding his shot that he was last year. I don't know if that's necessarily – it's probably, honestly, as a player, it's tough when you're not playing as many minutes. You don't get as comfortable. You don't get in, in as much of a rhythm. Um, so some of that might not even be on him. Um, but I think, you know, it's funny because, you know, we I, we joke about it, you know, we're in a group chat with with a few guys and we joke about guys like get shots up after games and how much the media loves that and all that kind of stuff. Um, You know, I think a lot of times it's a matter of guys continuing to just work on their game, you know, like his, his shot might not be falling. He might not be getting as much minutes, but at some point down the road, it's inevitable. At some point down the road, he's going to get an opportunity. It might not be, you know, this season, it might not be, you know, in the next couple of games, but eventually he's going to get his opportunity. Right. And, you know, when that opportunity comes, then all the work that you put in, you can put out. So, um, you know, I, I think with a guy like Kerwin, I think he just has to keep his confidence. Um, and, you when his time comes, he's already shown that he can he can do things. Um, he can knock down shots and things like that. So it's just a matter of staying confident and continue to work.
1: When it comes to free throw percentage, Carolina is 71st in the country shooting 74.36% from the free throw line. That's better than about 80% of D1 basketball teams and about what you shot your junior year when you won the national title. For context for fans, how well do you shoot free throws in practice versus in games and where's the where's the difference there, I guess?
0: Uh Man, free throws are totally different in games than in practice. Um, you know, we, like you said, 74% doesn't sound like a great percentage, but that's actually a really good percentage as a team in game. Um, you, would, you would probably say that you would want to be 85 to 90 in practice. Um, you know, just like most people would say you want to be like 70% or higher to shoot 40% from three in practice. Um, and so, you know, honestly, free throws, to be honest, are all about reps um, and just confidence stepping to the line. If you step up to a free throw line in a game and you're not confident in the shot, then more than likely you're going to miss it. You know, there's just so many, you're at the free throw line. It feels like you're by yourself. You've got all these fans sitting around. Um, And so, you know, I'm sure when I was there, coach would always have us shoot a certain amount of free throws either after practice or throughout the week. So I'm sure Coach Davis is doing the same thing, and it's showing that they, you know, they're knocking them down when they step to the line.
1: Yeah, I was just looking at your free throw splits here, your junior year, and you shot 68% at home and 78%, almost 79% on the road. Which you you would normally think those are flipped. Was there something about the fans and them all throwing their hands and everything that you were just a little bit more locked in on the road? You think?
0: I don't know. I mean, I think one thing is that the Dean Dome is is uh it's a lot bigger than most um most arenas that you would go to. Um, so maybe the spatial, you know, the visual of everything behind the basket, maybe. Uh, But to be honest, I was I wasn't a great free throw shooter in college, man. I I really I really wasn't. That was that was a thing that I just never was that great at. Um, But I mean, that's why I think I'm more impressed with the 74 percent than probably most fans, because I know how hard it is to shoot free throws. Um, So, yeah, that was always one thing that I was never (laughs) I was never that great at, bro.
1: Talking about the like the sight lines and the spatially in the Dean Dome, uh, I think it was my senior year. I was doing a video for class and I was like, what would be a fun video? And I was like, let me let me text Marcus, ask if he wants to do a three point contest in the Dean Dome. And when I tell you my first couple of shots, like they didn't hit anything. they, <laughs> they were, And like I'm so like, I don't consider myself a basketball player. But the first couple of shots were so out of character that I almost picked up my bag and was like, all right, let's let's head home. And I had the I had the camera recording some of those early shots and I was like, let's cut some of those in. It's gonna make the video funnier. But I I don't know what it was about the sight lines and like I'm I guess I'm just used to playing in like small high school gyms where all of a sudden like my depth perception was way off and I don't think that's something that a lot of fans think about.
0: No, it's, it's crazy, man. I mean, um, you know, I joke with, I joke with some of my buddies uh, like Kenny and Luke, even Marcus. Um, But I always joke, like I swear my freshman year, I averaged at least one air ball at home a game. Like, and most of the time it was from the corners. Um, But it's, it's wild what your brain does, man. Whenever, like when there's just not as much stuff around the basket, you know, in high school, like, you, know, you might have some big high schools, but there's still, you know, the four walls around the gym aren't that far away from you know from the actual court. And then you get in the in the Dean Smith Center and it's like this massive place with all these people. Um and you know, it's just it's different, man. And like fans don't understand it, right? Like fans, they're just watching the game and they're like, Oh my goodness, like how could you airball a shot? Or like why can you not knock down that open shot, you know, and it's like no, it's tougher than it looks, like it really is, um but hey that's that's why you know that's why guys go to North Carolina or schools like that, and that's why guys get paid a lot of money to be able to make shots in those big arenas,
1: yeah, the corner the corner was my worst spot too, in the Dean Dome. so <laughs> i feel I feel like we're one in the same right <laughs> not not exactly exactly. Not exactly the company you want to be in, but you know, I'll take it. I'll take it. But next up for Carolina, it's a big trip to Las Vegas. You were two and one in the CBS sports classic with the only loss being in Vegas to Kentucky. And what was probably the most entertaining non-tournament game that season. What do you remember most about those classic matchups that you played in? Um, I mean,
0: number one was that Malik Monk had 47, um, but I'm not going to, we won't relive those memories. Um, I mean, those, those are just fun games, fun and exciting games, man. Um, because you're playing against a really, really talented team that you won't see the rest of the year until the tournament. You know, those are the games that just like a Purdue game, like the team had this year, or a Tennessee game, like those are always fun games because it's, it's guys that you won't see. You might not ever see the rest of the season. Um, and it's still really good competition. Um, so I think these are games, you know, I know there was some, you know, some COVID stuff that popped up with UCLA or whatever, but I think if they do end up playing UCLA, I think it's going to be a really good test um, to really see where UNC is at. You know, obviously they've had a couple of games here that, you know, they've, they've been just the more talented team and that kind of stuff. But I think going against a team like UCLA or, or whoever it might be, it's going to be a good parameter to kind of see where they're, you know, where they're getting better at and where they still need to get better and that kind of thing. But those games are always so fun. You've got fans that travel in, um, you know, and you've got fans from both sides that are going crazy for the game. So I think it'll be a really fun game for them. I'll, I'm I'm looking forward to watching it.
1: The team is excited to go out there because you are playing a top five team in UCLA. The fans are excited to go out there because there is so much to do, uh, not just the basketball game, a lot of activities for fans to do in somewhere like Vegas. But as a player, is there any real difference between playing in, say, Chicago, Vegas or or Brooklyn, or do you get memorable things in the city around the basketball to do?
0: Um, You can. I mean, Coach Williams always did. You know, he always did a pretty good job if we had some extra time doing some things around, you know, the city that we might have been in. Um, But if it's a quick trip, then, you know, at the end of the day, you're there for a certain reason, right? Even if it is Vegas or New York or Chicago or wherever it might be, you're there for a reason, right? You're there to play the basketball game against UCLA. So, um, you know, Vegas is Vegas. You know what I mean? Like, there's not really – there's not, there's not much that you have to see over and over and over again when you go to Vegas. So, you know, I'm sure most of these guys have been to Vegas with AAU tournaments and all that kind of stuff. So I'm sure it's more of going in there and trying to lock in on UCLA and trying to get that win.
1: So you're saying we, we probably won't see Brady Manic at like a blackjack table or anything?
0: Hey, look – Brady looks like he might be somebody that rolls on red. I'm not gonna lie, Brady might be somebody that to, that lives with you know lives for that kind of uh, adrenaline. He's but just um, walking
1: through the airport and hey, let me just get a hundred <laughs> on red doesn't yeah. even break stride. <laughs> let me,
0: yeah, doesn't even stop. Um, but no, I mean I'm sure they'll have some fun, bro. I mean a lot of these guys, this team is a little bit older, so I'm sure they'll be able to go down and you know do a little something, but. You know, I think for them, it's really one of those things that they get this kind of win against, you know, a number four ranked UCLA, um, you know, it's a good look on the resume and it can just kind of propel them into an even better season.
1: Yeah, you mentioned it, UCLA dealing with the COVID issues as of the time of this recording where their game on Wednesday – Got canceled. We'll see what happens with that game. Carolina's going to Vegas to play a game. If it's UCLA, it'll be Saturday, 3 p.m. Eastern time. We'll be back next week to break it all down. Justin, always appreciate it.
0: Always, man. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.